0: Hello and welcome to Healing From Within, a podcast for those on a healing journey who know that when you want to make changes in your life, it's what's on the inside that counts as well as on the outside. I'm your host, Dr. Sally Eccleston, accredited life coach, registered psychologist and qualified yoga teacher. Each and every week, I will be sharing conversations with those in the well-being space, Full of grounded tips, down to earth advice, and lots of inspiration for those looking to make change. Welcome. Let's dive in. Welcome to season one, episode one of Healing From Within. In season one, we're going to focus on shifting your mindset and growing into your potential. And I've got some amazing guests to talk about their own journeys with mindset shifts and to offer you tips and advice for yours. Because after all, when we gain control over our thoughts and our own behaviors, that's where the magic really starts to happen. My guest for episode one is Michelle Maslin-Taylor, yoga teacher, coach, and energy healer. Having overcome depression, negative body image, and low self-esteem with the power of yoga and personal development, Michelle has developed a holistic toolkit that's at the heart of her yoga teaching and coaching. She launched Live Happy, Live Healthy, and she's dedicated to empowering women to manage their physical and mental wellness in a way that works for them. Michelle has been featured in Health and Wellbeing and Spirit and Destiny magazines and her philosophy is to share the benefits of yoga without it being scary or mystical. She says that the energy body sharing the energy healing principles are what links her work and she has a free chakra ebook that you can find in the notes for today's episode. Without further ado, let's begin. Welcome, Michelle.
1: Thanks for inviting me. It's
0: lovely to be here with you. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. I just want to start by kind of exploring a little bit with you, um, your sort of perception of the term mindset and any mindset blocks you've experienced yourself in your life, any challenges you've faced and maybe a little bit of like what's led you down this path of yoga and energy healing and Reiki.
1: Yeah, I've um, I've got a long history of anxiety and depression um, and disordered eating as well, body image issues, right from when I was a teenager through till probably my very early thirties. I would say is when I started to get a handle on things. Um, so I actually came to yoga to begin with in a quest for a yoga body as part of my this um, eating disorder, effectively. Um, but over time, I found that it gave me more and I think it wasn't until I had my first daughter that I really came to the conclusion that I needed to get it get my own head sort of fixed and the way I felt about myself fixed because I didn't want her growing up feeling the same way about her body and herself as I had done for so long so I think although I'd had counselling in the past which definitely helped with um, mindset I think having my daughter was probably the turning point where I started to actually embody those practices and things more as opposed to just dipping into them they became a more daily thing um because Mm. suddenly it felt a lot more important because I had someone else relying on me who was going to learn from me and I didn't want to model the behaviors that I had um I didn't want her to see what what I was going through I didn't want her to end up going down exactly the same path um But yeah, there was was a lot to work through and I think the work's never done. You'll probably agree.
0: Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of the reason I wanted to do these series of conversations is that for women, I feel especially, it's so easy to look at people in the wellbeing space and look at Instagram and Facebook and think that everyone's doing so much better than you are and actually like every single person I speak to in the well-being space or who I know who's working in that field has come to it from a place of, um, you know, real self-doubt or a lot of work on themselves or like you, anxiety and depression. And that's certainly the case for me, you know, like what you've just said really resonates. I've not had children yet, but um, I think I reached a real turning point, point in my twenties after years of having like, treated my body so badly with um, alcohol and recreational drugs and all sorts really. Um, and, I just reached a point that I was like, no enough. I want to be um, more content in my body. And it's still like an ongoing journey. Definitely that thing of like feeling comfortable in your own skin and just being super aware of, like you say, the kind of messages that are being passed down generations and how, um, what an impact we can have in that work as well. Because I know that you've been involved with work with young people or with um, teen yoga, is that right as well?
1: Yes, yes, I do. Um, I'm, I'm qualified in teen yoga and mindfulness um, and have run sort of camps for teenagers, um, kind of wellbeing days and things. So yeah, it's, it's so important. And I think there's even more pressure on them now than there was um, definitely when I was, At back at school, because you've just got no no escape from it with social media. And I think you touched on something there with the just comparing yourself constantly. And I'm still guilty of that. And I think it's like you said, it's really important that people understand that even though we are in the well-being space, um, it doesn't mean we're without our own things that we're working through. And they do rear their heads. And that's something I talk to with clients about a lot, is that sometimes we think. We've kind of come through something, but then if there's a lot of stress in another area of our life, often those old patterns can creep back up. And I know for me, I really noticed it last year in the lockdown where I thought I was handling everything. I was just like powering through and then I noticed my thoughts around my body shifting and starts starting to think about what I was eating again and should I be eating that and I really haven't done much exercise and thought things that hadn't been an issue for for a little while started to creep back in and the negative self-talk so I had to really be aware of that and I think that's the key isn't it to just have that self-awareness that you don't expect to be without it all the time and uh, when it comes up you're aware of it and you can then work through it and deal with it.
0: Mm, Yeah. And something I kind of talk to people a lot about is how, how comfortable can we get with being uncomfortable? You know, because I think when you get into this place of like wanting to work on yourself in some way, then you feel like there's going to be this place that you reach that things are just sorted. Like, you know, you're able to make all the big decisions in your life really clearly and everything just kind of slots into place And I just feel like it's so important to kind of convey this idea that that yes, you may come at life from a a much um, deeper place of clarity, but that comes from like real practice. And of course things come up all the time, you know, that might might have been present for you as a a teenager or, or as a child. And like you say, it's kind of that capacity to, observe it but also for me I think there's something about just being with it like it's the witnessing of it but then it's also like how we move through that and kind of observe it as almost like an an energy or something that's um happening within us that we can that we can shift I suppose Um, so going back to kind of your your beliefs or the your own personal challenges that kind of led you um, to to your yoga practice. Would you say that this was something that you'd, your you've become of, uh, become aware of that existed all the way back to childhood or to, to being a teenager?
1: Yeah, I think a lot. I mean, when you delve deeper into kind of yoga psychology and I guess psychology in general, and you start looking back at what could be considered. Um, traumas or major events or things that have impacted the way that you've perhaps behaved, um, it gets really interesting. So I, I always say to people now, like, it's okay to get curious and be, you do get uncomfortable. There is uncomfortable stuff, but getting curious about why you might have developed certain patterns and beliefs, I think is really, really interesting because it starts to shift it away from you completely blaming yourself To actually being able to see that, okay, well, this is going to have influenced me, but it doesn't have to continue being that way. I can shift it. I have got control. And for me, I think that kind of awareness that I had control to shift things started when I did some counselling back in my 20s, I think probably late 20s. And I remember really clearly being given a task of writing down all of my sort of worries and anxieties and things I was stressing about. And then we put them into these different bubbles and there was like the things that I could control, the things that I couldn't control. And there was the things that were mine and then the things that were other people's. And then once we looked at that and saw all the places that overlapped, it actually narrowed the things that I had right down. And I think that one tool was probably a really key point for me in realizing that I had some control. I didn't have to let it completely control me. And if I hadn't have had that, I don't know when or if I would have come to that realization.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful, isn't it? Because especially at the moment when a lot of us feel out of control in many aspects of our lives. And, you know, there's kind of things going on in society that we may feel are lots of our um, parts of our lifestyle are being controlled by someone else. I think it's so powerful to just have that reminder of actually um, what are the what are the decisions that I'm making about my life right now, um, and what is within my control, and and how can I see the impact that that makes, rather than just kind of falling into this mentality that everything's happening to me, um, you know the kind of the victim mentality that you sometimes hear about um and I think that's a really powerful shift actually in in mindset to go from that place of like um I can't do anything about my life there's there's nothing that I can change it's kind of like you know things are set in stone to being in that place of okay well maybe it might start with something really small and then it builds and then I start to see the impact of that change that I've made um, cause I, you know, I talk to people a lot about, uh, understanding where motivation comes from as well, you know, from a psychological perspective and it's all well and good to kind of hear about practices that might benefit you like meditation or whatever it is, but actually there, there needs to be that intrinsic sense of like, why am I doing this? you know, what, like, what am I doing it for? Am I just doing it because, like, I've heard it might be a good thing to do, and, you know, it might start like that, but I think it's so important to have that sense of, like, your personal why, like, what you're, what you're working on, Um, so it sounds like you kind of had a few different experiences of, I guess what we call uh, we might call self-help or talking with different people and then and then you found yoga and yoga as a as a practice and that's been in your life for a long time now so do you just want to share a little bit about your sort of first experiences with yoga and and the path you've been on with that?
1: Yeah, I can, I can give you a little bit of an overview because I've had an interesting journey with yoga. And I think it'll be really interesting for people to hear because um, there are obviously so many different types of yoga and reasons we come to yoga. And I'll be completely honest and say that the first time I tried yoga was um, basically to try and get the yoga body. I was mm-hmm. too ashamed to even um, take my body into, into a public space to do it. So I got a yoga DVD. Um, and all I wanted was just to look like the skinny um, yoga people that I imagined was the complete <laughs> array of yoga to me at the time. Um, needless to say, that didn't really stick um, because you don't see a, a really fast body transformation in, in that way, um, but I did dip in and out of it. I think because I'd awry, always been curious about spirituality and, and felt, a connection I've got a lot of intuitive nature in my family um, in my history as well so I think that's probably what kept drawing me back is that when I would do like the breathing practices and things although at the time I was huffing and thinking oh can we just fast forward to the the actual (laughs) exercise part I think I was getting something from it quite subtly Um, and then when I revisited yoga again and it really really started to take was Probably around the similar time to um, having my counselling, so I'd started doing yoga at a gym again, more for a body thing than anything else. And I remember at the time I was one of the youngest in the class, but I was one of the least flexible. I could I could barely forward fold standing. My fingers were not coming past my knees. There were people double my age who were like hands on the floor, and I remember thinking, "Oh my goodness, I'm so embarrassed." <laughs> But the teacher was so warm and welcoming and just gentle and encouraging that it kept me going back. Um, I had a lot of back pain at the time, so I kind of used that as a, a reason to keep going back when I think it started to permeate deeper. And I noticed by the time I'd been going for a couple of months to her class, I noticed that I wasn't thinking about my body so much. Um, or not in the same way. I used to spend a lot of time in classes looking around the room and comparing, like, oh, she c- she can get further into this than I can. They're stronger than me. She's thinner than me. She's prettier than me. It was this constant mental um, assessment of everyone in the room. But I noticed one day that that wasn't happening anymore, and I was really in my body for the first time. I was focused on my breath. I wasn't thinking about holding my stomach in. I wasn't thinking about what I looked like I wasn't checking myself in the mirror I was just there and that just felt so different to anything I had experienced elsewhere I think that was probably the point at which it became something I needed in my life rather than something I was just doing to get my body to a certain place um, so that's I think that was probably the real turning point in yoga for me um,
0: yeah Yeah I love that and um, it reminds me of when I first went to my first few yoga classes and actually I kind of started off going to really um, gentle yoga classes when I was a student in a beautiful art gallery in Manchester in Whitworth Art Gallery and um, you know like surrounded by all this art on the wall and like beautiful staircases and stuff and I kind of just went I suppose out of curiosity but then um, I dropped yoga for a while because I hadn't really set up a commitment to myself really I think I'd just gone because it was um, it fitted in with my schedule I thought I'd give it a bit of a go and then um, life got busy and my studying got busier and then I picked it up again when I was doing my doctorate and I remember I used to go for like five 10k runs and then I'd arrive at a hot yoga studio and do a hot yoga class I was like it was insane and I um it was a really small studio and um the studio owner used to do these like 30 day challenges so you'd you could go every day continuously for 30 days and um yeah I mean I think it it was good in a I mean good it was it was effective I think for me setting up that regular practice honestly like thinking back I'm just like how how did that ever happen like going for a run and then arriving at a hot studio but it also reminds me from what you're saying about those you know there's big studios that you go in with with mirrors on the walls and I remember um like similar to you that's the tipping point where there was a point at which I'd go to studios like that and be so self-conscious of what I could see on the mirror. Um, And then there was a point that I could just like park myself wherever I wanted or wherever there was a space. And I just wasn't bothered, you know, I wasn't bothered about who was next to me or what their practice looked like or um, how I felt my appearance looked on the mirror. And it's just, it was such a revelation, like, I'm sure you'll agree, like, just to have that sense of, oh, I can arrive and I can feel that this is actually something that's helping me. And I've kind of got past that point mentally of the chit-chatter and the noise and just kind of letting, letting all of that, um, you know, still be there in parts. just letting myself enjoy the practice and um and also just letting myself like arrive in whatever state i arrived in you know not because sometimes i feel like with yoga there's this thing of um starting a class or arriving in a practice super zen you know kind of like rocking up and just already feeling amazing and like you know being in yoga yoga gear and actually like part of it is just arriving however you are you know whether you've had a stressful day or whether you're feeling quite good or whatever I think that's so important as well just to be present with what is and to try and not continually push stuff away.
1: Yeah I think so and having um, started my my sort of yoga journey with more vinyasa and smashtanga and stronger practices um for anyone listening those are quite sort of fast paced they're going to build strength mm-hmm. and stamina I think I was always wanting to push I always wanted to get my pose further I wanted to get more flexible I wanted to get stronger and I have and that sort of continued after doing my teacher training, I very much kind of wanted to further my practice, although for my students, I was still teaching um, quite a gen- gentle practice. Um, I, was, I still found I was kind of pushing myself and I had to take a step back from that. And I did have an injury which contributed, but there came a point where I realized that I was doing the, not getting the same enjoyment out of the practice it was starting to become more about expectations. Mm -hmm. And I always, always talk to my students about letting go of their expectations because your body does different things on different days. And the whole point is to tune into that and just honor yourself where you're at on a given day. So I think that has shifted for me over the last couple of years. And especially in the last year, I think with all the stress that's been going on globally, I found that my practice has been much more gentle. There's been a lot more sort of yin yoga and gentle yoga and yoga nidra and just really restorative practices. Mm. Um, And that is a lot down to mindset as well, because it's being able to actually acknowledge where, where you are and Mm. what you need rather than trying to push, push, push and, and carry on as you were, um, Mm yeah I don't know if you've had that in your own sort of journey
0: yeah 100% yeah um I think my nature you know because we all have um I mean in Ayurvedic terms are kind of practice but uh, the nature that we're born with and I think mine is definitely one of like pushing striving quite fiery um quite grounded as well like not not spending too much time up here but yeah I've definitely noticed a transition in my practice over time but I think it's been interesting because I've not necessarily noticed that sort of what used to be fiery and um quite a strong practice has just naturally transitioned and molded into something gentle because yes I practice yin I teach yin I've done some training in that area, but um, on some days that the fire is really beneficial for me in terms of the movement and, you know, moving the energy through and also finding a practice that, you know, can have a bit of everything, whether it's, you know, vinyasa transitioning into something else or, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot to be said for stillness and the yin quality of energies I think that's often not explored so much in in the well-being world as much as yoga is like out there I think there's still this mentality of like it's something I have to get good at do you know it's really interesting as well because when people are sometimes asking me about classes they're like do I have to be good at yoga to come <laughs> um, well what is your definition of being good do you know like that's a bit of a mindset thing as well I think like and I, I joke with them I just say does your definition of being good involve touching your toes because it that's not really what it's about um for me you know and I think I think that's definitely something I've noticed um along the years of practicing is actually just like how present can I get with myself you know yeah I might have things that I want to play around with in my practice whether it's like going upside down or you know whatever it is um but but that's not the goal so much like sometimes I might need a bit of um extra fire in my practice or especially you know at the moment there's a lot of people doing a lot more sitting than they would do normally and I think that's important to counteract both from a a postural perspective but also just from a stagnant energy kind of perspective yeah so we need it all don't we it's all welcome the yin and the yang and the fire and the air and the water and everything so let's explore this kind of idea of your energy body because I know people listening will be really interested in that and kind of what you mean when you use the term energy body let's start there
1: so people may have may be familiar with the idea of chakras just from seeing pictures um, where you see kind of the standard outline of a person and there's seven colored balls in rainbow colors along the body Um, so I think most people may have seen that somewhere um, probably may or may not know what it is but in yogic terms or in yogic philosophy these are kind of seven major energy points in the body but then I always like to say say to my students that they're also correlating to major points in the endocrine system so there's a bit of science behind why those spots are important in our body as well as the more yogic terms but when we're talking about energy we're talking about something that can't be seen which I think is why it's quite difficult maybe to be to understand but we have this concept of if the if the energy is not flowing properly through the body then it's going to start to affect us in terms of our emotions in terms of physical ailments as well so if we, again, relate that back to the endocrine system, it always ties back in. So there'll be certain points, um, glands, for example. So if we're talking about the throat chakra, there's one point here, might be talking, talking about things like the thyroid. So there would be, if things are not moving properly there, you might start to have physical ailments that relate to that. You might start to have hormonal imbalances that are relating to the thyroid. But also in terms of our emotions and things, you might find maybe you have difficulty speaking up for yourself or speaking your truth you feel like your voice is repressed in some way so it's it's a very kind of holistic way of looking at things because you're looking at your physical body you're also looking at your emotions you're looking at a kind of more abstract thought of your energy system i like to kind of relate it back to things that people can think about so If you think about the emotions that you might struggle with or patterns that you might have in your mindset and your thinking, we can then look at where those might have come in. They also come into sort of our development, so our different development stages from a tiny baby in utero all the way up. And I find it fascinating looking at some of the things that we may have had happen when we were really, really young that may have impacted that both on an energetic level in the chakra, but also in terms of kind of the behaviours that we start to form from it. So say if we've got someone who was very critical of us when we're growing up, then we might start to have some sort of issues around the solar plexus, for example, or if when we're a tiny baby, one of our parents is not able to give us the level of um, care and emotional mirroring that we need, then we might start to feel unsafe and insecure and that might show up in the root chakra for a long time until we do work to kind of heal it and address it so it's, it's really fascinating stuff I guess you have to be open to kind of looking at something that's less less able to be proven with science if you like although it ties in very nicely to the physiological parts in the endocrine system the the whole concept of energy is very difficult to actually proved in a in a scientific way
0: yeah that resonates really strongly with me and it's fascinating isn't it because of all the systems in eastern philosophy that have existed for like thousands of years and actually like the more i kind of look at different systems whether it's chakra system or chinese medicine or ayurveda or whatever it is they're basically saying the same stuff Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, um, there might be, you know, subtle differences, obviously, but it's kind of like pinning the same ideas on different frameworks. And I think that's happened for thousands of years, actually, that some things that we've known or that have been suggested in Eastern philosophy have now been suggested in scientific research and um, other things haven't like you say because they're so much more difficult to prove so just reminds me of that constant link between eastern philosophy and western psychology and that's something I'm obviously really interested in as a, a psychologist because I think for years I was so like I don't know if it was I'd use the word data driven but I was certainly in that mindset of like well, if it's not, if it's not in a textbook, or if it's not proven in research, then how can it exist kind of thing, that very linear way of thinking. And I think, you know, that came from years of studying and not really having much of a, a spiritual practice in my 20s. And yeah, going on to do doctorate in psychology and my thesis and everything. And then it was just really interesting that at the same time, I was writing up thesis I was also kind of seeing a real deepening in my own spiritual practices and and just like at that stage I think I was just feeling it out for myself more than anything rather than you know doing the study around how different things interlink but more just like feeling where I may have had blocks or Way, where things be um, could, could be a bit more stagnant. And um, I'm really interested as well in like how the seasons come into this, right? Because like different blocks can come around at different points in the year, maybe for people, depending on how people respond to different parts of the year. So yeah, I think having that holistic perspective and seeing everything as one thing rather than trying to split it up, as Western medicine sometimes tries to do is, um, is really, really powerful. So within the kind of the, the chakra system, I'm just wondering if we could explore that a little bit more for people listening. And also, like, is there a link between, you know, chakras and Reiki, for example, or different kind of energy healing systems as well? yeah we do we do use the chakras in
1: um, reiki and energy healing as well Um, and actually just going back to your point about the overlap between kind of eastern medicine and the chakra system um, i was speaking to a friend just a few days ago whose mum does works in terms of like egyptian um, research and she, had, she showed me a diagram. They had like ancient hieroglyphics of a body with these kind of simple lines through certain points in the body. And when they first found it, they were saying, well, I don't really understand. They seem to have such a, a really great understanding of human anatomy. This seems really simplistic. Um, and what they came to the conclusion was that it was showing energy points again. Um, mm. And when you look at it, it really just ties in with the meridians. There's kind of the lines that look just like meridians. And then the crossing points again look like they would be on a chakra system. So I do find it fascinating how all these different um modalities have all come to the same kind of conclusions on our on our energy body. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, when when I use them in um Reiki, um if anyone doesn't know what Reiki is, um, it's kind of an energy healing modality. So you get attuned to the energy. And then if I'm doing a treatment, I will basically hold my hands, not necessarily touching someone's body, but over the major chakra points um, and around the body. And I can I can notice differences. Um, so again, it's really tuning into your own energy body and then noticing also tuning into someone else's. And often I'll find that these are relating very much so. So for example, I might get to a point, I had a client whose shoulder, when I got to their shoulder, um, I could feel that it needed attention. Um, My hands would get really hot. I could feel like there was healing required there. But then also when we talk afterwards, yes, they have got a shoulder issue, which I wasn't aware of. But also when we delve a little bit deeper, it's like, okay, well, Shoulder is related to the throat chakra. Do you can you relate to anything where you might feel that you have something to be said that's not coming out? Is there anything you're kind of holding back? And then we start to unravel where that might be stemming from. And I like to think of it as your body's always giving you feedback. We we know this in terms of intuition, like your body is taking in so much information um, from all your senses and your intuition is processing that all and trying to give you feedback on it. I think we've, as a society, we tend to tune that out and focus on logic and trying to um, really use logic and reasoning Mm. instead of, even when it goes against how we feel, like there might be a situation where we're making a decision and we feel like our body feels tense. Like, I know for me, I feel like all my muscles tense up, like my whole body is alert which is a pretty sure sign that your intuition is trying to tell you something. But sometimes we push that aside and ignore it because we're trying to go through the logical expected path. But when we do that, when we ignore those more subtle intuitions, then it's gonna start to try and get our attention elsewhere. Um, So it's gonna start to bring us emotions. And then if we're pushing those down, it's gonna start to bring us physical symptoms because we we're more attuned to that. We know that we're going to do something if it starts to show up in our physical body. Mm. Um, And when we talk a little bit about it being a difficult concept with the energy system, because it is a bit more abstract, I just like to remind everyone that whatever helps you, I, I just think it's so important to draw on any tools that could help you in a healing process. So it might be that this really resonates with you and you can really get on board with the ideas and once you start to delve into it, um, it makes a lot of sense for you but if it doesn't, then there will be another way I think there's there is a lot of crossover between all of these different modalities, but it doesn't mean that one's right and one's wrong I think I'm all for people trying different things and drawing on whatever they can to um, help them with their healing journey mm.
0: Yeah absolutely and I think for some people listening the idea that energy shows up in the physical body it might be either a new idea for people or it might just be something that people haven't explored very much so just kind of want to reiterate that you know this idea that our body does really speak to us and it might be things that little niggles or, you know, maybe things that we choose to ignore that then get worse. It might be through an injury and, you know, some people might feel, well, how can an injury be um, a demonstration of like an energy block? Sometimes you just get an, an injury because of like, you know, something that you've done running or you've twisted your knee or whatever, but that's still, as you said, it's still asking you to tune in isn't it and kind of explore like what's going on for you in your life right now maybe you're you've been pushing too hard or maybe there's like a certain part of your body or as you say a kind of energy center that needs a little bit more exploration and I think to to be interested in all of this you have to in a lot of ways, have an attitude of like open-mindedness and curiosity about it and just being open to what is. And I think that's so, you know, we, we see so much ill health, ill health in the world nowadays, whether it's like physical or mental, as you say, I think it's just so important to feel into what is helping you. And we all get those nudges, don't we? We all get that sense of like, oh, yeah, this is something that I might want to explore or this is something that I want to continue doing. But the other thing that can happen is that sometimes we want to stop because it's hard, right? So something that can be helpful can also be incredibly challenging for a number of reasons, whether it's, whether it's a physical practice or whether it's healing or whatever. And I think um, it's making me think of that idea of like, you know, you might – go for a massage every so often or you might go to a really lovely yoga class once a week and you're like oh yeah okay I can feel that I'm, I'm feeling good from that and that might go on for you know however long or you might occasionally go for Reiki or someone might ask you if, if they if they can do some Reiki for you but actually sometimes the big shifts can take a long time to come about right because it's with that the work in between you know sometimes it's the work that you do when you're on your own that is the most powerful stuff so I think it's it can be such a long path right
1: <laughs> like, it and it's I think like it all comes down to that kind of noticing and like you said the the getting comfortable with being uncomfortable mm. like if, if you never address it if you never work through it then it's always gonna keep popping back up. And sometimes it still does, sometimes it does, but when you're aware, when you're much more tuned into your body, um, and I mean that in all senses, so you're noticing what physical sensations you've got, you're noticing what your breath's like, you're noticing where your emotions are, You know, all these different things are gonna give you clues as to what might be going on for you. And just being willing to kind of look a little bit deeper at what could be going on or any behavioral patterns and really just owning it and taking responsibility because at the end of the day, we can't change what anyone else does. You know, that's that's their stuff. And it took me a long time to come to come to that conclusion that, you know, I can't control everything around me. I, I used to be a real control freak and I still, you know, struggle a little bit at times with that. Yeah, yes. But if you can let go of what other people are doing and accept that that's not yours, but you can control the way you react to things. You, like you said, I think right at the start, you know, you can't control like none of us can what's happened in the past year. The only thing we can control is how we react and how we try and help ourselves through it. Mm,
0: yeah. And I, um, I put something in my Instagram stories about like not being a sponge <laughs> trying not to soak up you know everything around you whether it's like other people's stuff or just yeah the energy that you find yourself around and that's um it's easier said than done right because uh especially people who just might know that they're really sensitive or whether it's like soaking up something from their children or partners husbands there's a lot especially when we're just in our homes a lot more but I think it's just feel it's such a powerful practice especially with you know energy blocks mindset reaching our potential to be very aware of what's like you say the boundaries like what's yours and what doesn't belong to you and being very clear with that I think it's like really really powerful okay so I would love we're going to start drawing to an end but I would love to hear if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice especially for people who might be really struggling at the minute or maybe just feeling like quite anxious about coming out of lockdown about what the future holds how to transition into a future that they actually want to have rather than you know maybe people are feeling sort of pushed into corners or like they're not in control of their destiny what's what's one piece of advice that you would give people that are struggling right now well that's such an interesting
1: question isn't it because it's it's so individual to every person but I would say just make sure you take some time and daily if you can just really check in with yourself it's something I've started doing over the past few years so in the morning and in the afternoon and just really just being still, it only has to be a few minutes, just closing my eyes, checking in on my breath, checking in on my physical body, like are there any random aches and pains? Um, and then checking in sort of emotionally, checking in with how my heart's feeling and really just being a lot more self-aware. And in terms of the, the lack of control thing, just I think it's really important to understand what it is that we do want. Uh, and I don't mean in terms of things I mean how do we want to be feeling like on a day-to-day basis what sort of feelings are important to us and how can we build more of that into our day and what I do with clients a lot is write down the things that really bring them joy from the smallest things like um, for me I love to sit and drink a cup of tea really in peace just on my own Mm. and then It can be bigger things like um, I love to walk by the sea, for example, or um, meeting a friend for a coffee or holidays, whatever you want to put down there, the things that really make you feel joyful, a hug with your kids, whatever it might be, and then work back through that and see if there's any ways you can start to just sprinkle some of those things. You know, we might not have a lot of freedom in terms of how far we can travel and things like that at the moment. But It doesn't mean that everything's been removed from us. We can still catch up with a friend, have some form of connection. We can still have a little bit of time to ourselves to just sit quietly or we can, you know, go for a walk. There's, there's things that fill us with joy that we can sprinkle in through our day so that we don't feel so trapped by the situation. I think that's really, really important to just find those little moments
0: and just bring more and more of them in Yes, wonderful advice. So thank you so, so much, Michelle. I'll make sure that all of Michelle's links are posted in the comments as well. So you can go and check out all of the wonderful things that she's doing. And Michelle does so much more than even the things she's talked about. She's co-authored book. She's an amazing human being. So thank you so much, Michelle. There's been so many pearls of wisdom here and um, I'm, I'm certain listeners will have got loads from this conversation so thank you so much thank you thanks so much for being here and for listening to this podcast episode if you enjoyed this podcast remember to check out the show notes where you can find out all about today's guest michelle maslin taylor and why not like subscribe and share this episode with a friend it would really mean so much to me to be able to share this information and wisdom with people who really need it If you might be interested in finding out more about me, you can visit my website, www.wellnesswithsally.com. From there, you can look at my signature coaching program, which is called, guess what, Healing From Within. This includes three months of personalized support, one-to-one time with me, as well as one-to-one time with a qualified nutritional therapist to really help you at all levels of holistic well-being, mind, body, soul and spirit so if you know that you are looking for this kind of support you can check all of this out on my website thanks so much for being here again and I look forward to sharing more episodes with you in the future